What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and you guys know that already by now. And I am your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where all of our new links, whether it be podcasts, articles, news and notes, draft guide updates, everything does get posted at EthosFantasyBB. If you're somebody who likes to avoid Twitter, totally understandable. You guys can find all that same content at sportsethos.com when you guys hover over the MLB tab. Now, we had to pull a bit of an audible for today's show. The original plan, and we're going to continue, I think we're going to probably do it tomorrow or the day after. It'll still be this week. We'll have our friends Scott Bogman from the In This League Fantasy Baseball Podcast and Michael Govier from the Palazzo Podcast here together to do an ADP battle episode. And we are still going to be doing that. That is just going to be pushed back a day or two. We were kind of cramming it in because Michael Govier is coming back from Tout Wars in New York City, the industry fantasy baseball event that is taking place there. It took place over this past weekend. Govier is on the way back. There was some delays and there was they lost a bag or something and all kinds of nonsense. Everybody who's taken a plane in their life before can fully appreciate the situation. So we're going to push it back a couple of days. And I figured today we haven't done this in quite a while. We're just going to go over some of the big news and notes of the last few days. A couple of things we're talking about might be closer to like a week old at this point. We're going to talk about Carlos Rodon's injury, which we have briefly, just ever so briefly touched on on the show uh, when we went through our pitcher rankings. But we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about Tyler Glass now a little bit. <clears throat> we're going to talk about a few different big pieces of fantasy baseball information that have come out over the last couple of weeks, specifically over the last week, and more importantly, something that just came out today. I guess by the time you guys will be hearing this, it will be Tuesday. I'm taping late on Monday, and this one stings. Uh, this one is going to be this – is, this is a stinger because I'm going to have to adjust my rankings because of it quite – maybe not drastically, but in general because of a couple of things that have happened. My second base rankings are going to need to be tinkered with. Jose Altuve got hurt, obviously. There was that. Uh, there was talk about Jorge Polanco might not be ready to start the season. And then the kicker today <clears> – <throat> The Braves have sent down Vaughn Grissom to AAA Gwinnett. Gwinnett? Gwinnett? I'm not really even sure. Right now, I don't really care because what the hell is going on here with Vaughn Grissom getting sent down to the minors? It makes no sense. He is a far superior player to Orlando Arcia, who will be starting the season as the shortstop here in Atlanta. I cannot understand why they've done this. I'm trying to figure it out, looking at the numbers, looking at everything. Arcia is okay defensively. He's not great, I don't think. I mean, his defensive metrics, when they narrow it down like to war values, were not great. Uh, let me look at like advanced fielding real quick and see if he's... I mean, negative two defensive runs saved last year. Negative three outs above average. 
That was in the outfield. Uh, short, zero, and zero. He was, I mean, doesn't play much there last year. He's not somebody that's, you know, maybe if he was a defensive whiz, it would make sense. If he was somebody where you're like, okay, he is going to save 10 runs for you on defense from shortstop side, whatever, then yes. But he's not really doing that for you. He seems okay defensively. The thing with <clears throat> when you play fantasy and you focus on fantasy baseball so much is you get caught up in that content. You get caught up in the stats that matter for fantasy baseball. Things like defense, I honestly forget a lot of the time who's a good defender and who's not. But Arcia, based on the metrics, he's okay, I guess. Nothing to write home about. And offensively, he is a liability. You can make a strong case that he is an offensive liability at this point, that he always kind of was. He had one good year offensively. That was 2017. He had 15 homers, 14 steals, and a 277 batting average. 2019, he had 15 homers and 8 steals. He batted 223 that year. Overall, for his career, he's a 243 hitter. He's just kind of boring. Like, there's nothing there, especially from a fancy point of view. Like, I know this is a fancy podcast. I'm talking more from a real life perspective there, but what the hell are they doing? Like, there's just nothing there with Arcia that would make you think that this guy should be the dude. And you might say, well, maybe spring training he's looked good. No, he hasn't. He has not looked good in spring training. I haven't watched a lot of spring training. I've seen it here and there where I can. A lot of it takes place during the day, during weekdays, which is, you know, busy time a lot of the time. I've watched what I can. And from what I've seen and heard, there's not even a question that Grissom has been better. Statistically, at the plate, he's been better this spring. Defensively, I think he's been fine. He's been adequate from what I've been made to understand. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Grissom was a guy who was going a lot of the time inside the top 200 draft picks. He was somebody that I was very, very interested in. He was my 10th-ranked second baseman. At this point, I don't even know where to rank him. I don't know if this is going to be a short stretch down to the minors, if this is going to be something where he's down for a while. When he was up last year, over 41 games, he had five homers, five steals. He batted 291, 24 runs, and 18 RBIs. He was electric. He was fantastic. And now, who knows if he'll even be an option at second base this year. What a horrible turn of events for second base over the last couple of days. That is the big one. That is, I mean, honestly, it's not even the big one. As I just sit here thinking about it, Jose Altuve is the big one. And then there's Jorge Polanco as well with, I'm not even sure exactly what the problem is, but there's some problem with Jorge Polanco where he may not start the season. Oh, man. Second base was already so bad to begin with. Second base... And I know, I've talked about how, you know, it's not as bad as third base. Comparatively speaking, it's not. It's still not a good position. It's certainly not a position that can afford to lose two top ten talents. <coughs> Altuve was number one in my second base rankings. Oh, this, it's, just a tough, it's just a tough topic to go through here. Altuve was somebody I had a good few shares of. He was number one in my rankings, and now he is just gone. Grissom, I was kind of aggressively ranking him at number 10, and you know I can understand why there would be some pushback there, especially now. Uh, at the time, it was kind of an aggressive ranking where I was really hoping for the best for Vaughn Grissom, where I was thinking, you know, he could be in this lineup, and he could be you know, having the Michael Harris kind of role from last season, where you know, he doesn't need to be at the top necessarily in terms of the batting order. He can bat 8th or ninth and still have a ton of value. That's not going to be the case either. And then Jorge Polanco, who I had as my number seven second baseman. Number seven. 
he is also gone. That's just uh, it's a position that cannot afford to lose these players. It's 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 can't. It it just absolutely cannot. And I don't really know if you guys have drafted them already, what your alternatives will be. It really depends on your waiver wire. There might be some leagues where you can still pick up, uh, you know, Chris Taylor or Brendan Donovan, maybe even Colton Wong if you're talking a shallow enough league. Bryson Stott, potentially, depending, again, depending on your depth of your league, those are probably some more shallow league guys that you can take a look at there. If you're in deeper formats, a guy like Luis Garcia of the Nationals maybe might have some play. Aledmus Diaz is going to have more run this season, I think, than we're expecting, and he might be somebody that has a little bit of interest if you're in a deep, deep league. But the position has just been made so scarce here. Jose Altuve is, I mean, I haven't even really brushed over it. He is the scariest one here because he is the best at the position. Like, I know it kind of varies by ADP depending on where you look. Some places he's first. Some places he might be as low as third in rankings behind uh, Chisholm and behind Simeon. But uh, he is so... Solid. I literally just did second base rankings over the weekend, and I'm going to have to edit them here. But I, I'll just read to you guys what I wrote about Altuve. He is the safest option in all five categories. Power is consistently there. Perennial threat to hit 300. The counting stats, specifically the runs, are all but guaranteed. And he started stealing again last season, which was a great sign as well. And now we're going to miss him for at least two months. Who knows if that'll be even longer. I think this – I mean, I don't really know how long this is going to take. Getting hit with a pitch in the hand – Hands tricky. There's a lot of small bones in there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly if we're going to see him return when he is supposed to. And even if he does, even if he's missing the first two months of the season, that then begs the question: where to draft him? I think about roughly pick 100 to 120 kind of range is where I would want to be taking him at this point. It does vary with IL slots a little bit. I think if you have an IL slot, you can even push him up into the 80s or the 90s. Um, but if you're just <clears throat> talking about like an NFBC league where there's no no IL slots, I think that he's probably just outside the top 100, maybe even just inside the top 100. His production, even if you take away two months, even if you're going to call it, let's say, 110 games out of Altuve, 100 games, what he can do over that span is still probably better than a lot of second basemen. Let me just see, because I haven't actually manually adjusted the rankings yet. But I think I would have him probably, like, he's still probably close to a top 10 second baseman. He probably is, honestly, based on the news with Polanco that he's not going to be ready. I don't know how long it's going to take him to get ready, but he's not there. Grissom, who knows if Grissom is going to come back up in two weeks or two months. I think that Altuve is still a borderline top 10 second baseman, and he is somebody that I would be targeting in your IL leagues because people are going to just keep pushing him down and down and down. Obviously, those IL leagues are it's different, and a lot of leagues do have IL spots. It'll be very different depending on which format you are playing on, but definitely something to keep an eye out for, people just avoiding Jose Altuve altogether. If you're in those IL leagues, you get to pick 100 or so, then I think that you're – I wouldn't hurt you to draft Jose Altuve. That position sucks. Second base is awful. And a position that's made a little more awful recently as well is starting pitcher. That's between Tyler Glass now – Carlos Rodon, Tony Gonsolin as well. Uh, we've seen some guys go down that we were thinking were going to be mainstays this season. Now, Tony Gonsolin, whether or not he was going to be a mainstay on fantasy rosters, I'm not sure. I was personally avoiding him before, and now there's not much hope that I have for Tony Gonsolin this season. So according to Dave Roberts, 
he will not be ready. Tony Gonson will not be ready for opening day because of a sprained ankle. I was already kind of out on him at ADP. I thought it was not terrible, but not somebody I really wanted to be getting in bed with. I thought that last season was a huge outlier for him. And now we see that he's not going to be ready to start the season. Even if you're an amazing player, you know, you have to be like a Jose Altuve type for me to draft you hurt. I don't think Tony Gonsolin is somebody that I can draft at all at this point. I think he's somebody that I'm going to just have to scratch off my list and say, you know what? I'm not going to have any of them, and that's okay. But uh, I, I can understand certain people want to still buy the dip on, on him. I just I can't do it. I cannot do it. Even if the price was what it is and he was healthy, I don't think Tony Gonsolin would be somebody that I'd be interested in at all. I have zero shares so far. Maybe if he fell quite a bit, but he has fallen in a couple of my drafts, and I haven't seen myself scooping him up whatsoever. I'm just not there. He is not somebody that I'd be drafting this season. I think there's too much risk associated with it. If you're going to be drafting injured, <clears throat> you better be drafting an injured stud, and he is just not that, unfortunately. Tyler Glass now, we've talked a little bit about him on the show, but not in so much depth. So far, he has not started to throw, and this is a few days ago now. Apparently, Kevin Cash said he has not started to throw yet, and I'm not sure that <clears throat> Tyler Glass now is really going to be a great investment this season. Now, saying that, I've drafted Tyler Glass now one time this year, and I took him in the main event qualifier that I did, um, when was it, last this weekend that just happened. Probably my most important league this year. I can win a shot at the main event next year. And I took Tyler Glass now. I took him in round 12 of a 15-team league. So it definitely does, you know, it changes your viewpoint. I think I set what was close to the max pick on him at that point. And let me see where people were drafting him in main events this past weekend, if I got a good deal. I think I got him at 176 or so. Um, yeah, I would have been the max in main events. People were taking him anywhere from about 136 through 168. See, at that point, I'm shooting for the upside. I kind of punted pitching a little bit earlier on in that draft as well. So I figured, okay, if Tyler Glass now is able to give me 100 healthy innings, then this draft spot is, is gold. <clears throat> he probably doesn't even need to give me 100 innings for that draft slot to be gold. If you have no IL slots, though, like in that league, I did take a chance. Like There is certainly a possibility that it does not turn out as well as I am hoping for. Glass now ends up missing even more time than we expected, and it turns into a shit pick. That is totally possible. But I think at that price, you should be paying it. And when you're talking about Yahoo leagues, if he's still sitting there at 160, 170, ESPN, CBS, whatever you're playing, at that price, I think you have got to be in on him. You can replace pitchers fairly easily on the waiver wire, which is part of the reason as well why I'm not rushing to grab them early. There's a couple of drafts where I've taken pitchers early. For the most part, though, I'm trying to wait. I'm trying to take those more scarce positions and then get some pitchers later. Tyler Glass now is now one of those guys you can get later. And, of course, there's a lot of risk there. And I've just said with Gonsolin, I don't like drafting injured players going into the season. Glass now is a stud, though. When Glass now is healthy, he is one of the best pitchers in baseball. If he is able to give me even 100 healthy innings, I will take that as a victory. In a non, or excuse me, in an IL league, I think you even push him up. 120, 130 at that point. I think that's what makes sense. Getting him in the 170s, I'm I'm very, very fortunate to have been able to do that. And I don't think that we'll probably see too much of that. It depends on your league, of course. But I don't think we're going to see too much of him falling that far into drafts. We have to see um, if there's any more news that comes out. <clears throat> I haven't heard anything of late from Tampa regarding him. So we kind of are just stuck here waiting and seeing. 
Um, but as of right now, I'm pretty happy to take him in like the post 150 pick range without an IL slot, and then maybe post 120 if you have an IL slot. He is he is really good, guys. He is really good, and that is the reason why I am willing to you know absorb a little bit more risk on that one. Now, the last guy we'll talk about, we'll keep this one fairly short today, is Carlos Rodon. And we've mentioned him a little bit on the show when we talked about pitcher rankings. Now, I moved him down into the mid-20s. I don't know if that's good or if that's bad. At this point, I think there's a chance that he might actually be back sooner than we think, and he might have to get pushed up a little bit in the rankings. Now, forearm is never promising. It makes you think that there might be some Tommy John down the line. It can potentially be a precursor for that. But he's already thrown again. You know, he had this morearm, uh, morearm, forearm muscle strain diagnosed on March the 9th. You know, he's already throwing the ball again, though. That's really good. Uh, he's making good progress. He's expect, you know, he's going to start the year on the injured list. On the, you know, there's no question about that. He will start on the IL. But I think from what I'm reading, there's a decent chance that he's only going to miss maybe two starts, maybe three. At that point, with the price you're now currently getting Rodon at, and let's just see where he went in main events. He went, and I just went to look at San Francisco to see where Rodon is going. Uh, he went at 74 was his average pick in main events, average draft position. 57 was the minimum, 85 was the maximum. Obviously, there's going to be risk associated with drafting injured players. There is you know, nothing but risk, really. But with Carlos Rodon, if he misses two starts and he still go out, able to go out there and give you 28 starts or something this season, giving you what we know he can give you, then getting him in the 70s is going to be a laughing matter by the end of the season. I just, it, it all honestly comes down to your own ability to absorb the risk and have that kind of in the back of your head all year of, oh, Rodon's had the forearm shit earlier. Maybe I shouldn't take a chance on him. Definitely something that people will think about. Definitely something that people should think about, and I can't make the decision for you. It comes down to you know how you draft in the first couple of rounds. If you take DeGrom and you take Trout and you take Tatis kind of players in the first couple of rounds, then I maybe wouldn't take Rodon. If you're going for the guys who have the much higher floor in those first couple of rounds, <clears throat> specifically your pitchers who do not have a massive history of being injured, you know, if you're taking guys like... I mean, every pitcher's got a little bit of something-something here and there, but, you know, an Alcantara or, you know, Christian Javier, guys like that. Or, I mean, I, I'm hesitant to say Shane Bieber, but he's somebody who goes out there and throws a lot of innings for you. If you take somebody who you are pretty sure is going to give you 200-plus innings or even a couple of those guys early on, then it makes the Rodon risk that much smaller because you do have the insurance there with the same positions that you – you at least are going to have production, whether it comes from spot A or spot B. And I think Rodon, at the price he's going at, makes sense as somebody, regardless of your build, really, but specifically if you've taken a nice little array of pitchers early on, you don't have to worry so much about your Ks and about your wins. Rodon makes sense. <clears throat> now, in the price where he's going, he could still hypothetically be an SP1 by price. I don't know that I'm comfortable with that anymore. I definitely was you know, a week ago. But at this point, I don't know that I could look at Carlos Rodon and be comfortable going into the year with him as my number one starting pitcher. So probably I'm only taking him if I've already taken one or two guys before him, at least one. But either way, it's very interesting to see the discount that we are now getting on some of these guys. Rodon in particular. <clears throat> Rodon has been 
<clears throat> excuse me, guys. Rodon has been very highly ranked by a lot of people, myself included. It's tricky to see where he goes now, but I think somewhere in the mid-20s is what is going to make sense at this point uh, for Carlos Rodon. Guys, that's going to wrap it up for us. Very quick show today. I know we've been doing hour-long plus shows. I did a solo show last week that was an hour and a half. We're going to keep it more concise today. Should be back again tomorrow with Bogman. I was about to say Bogman and the Welsh. Bogman and the Govier will be here. Should be tomorrow. I hope you guys are checking that one out. If you haven't, um, please do make sure you are subscribing to the podcast, letting us know what you think with a rating and or review. And of course, checking us out on Twitter. I'm at JoeOrico99. You can check out all of our different baseball analysts and different baseball coverage at Ethos Fantasy BB, E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. Guys, that'll do it. But until tomorrow, take care. Have a great night. And cheers, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.